Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who's taken the time to listen to this podcast so far. But if I could just ask one small favour. If you're enjoying the episodes, please can you rate the podcast and leave a small review. This will help so much in spreading the word about it to others. And if you aren't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get a notification as soon as a new episode is released. As always, thank you so much for lending me your ears. It really is appreciated. My guest this week is Axel Blake, father of two to a 13-year-old son from a previous relationship and a two-year-old daughter that he has with his current fiancée, Louise. In recent weeks, Axel has shot to fame after being crowned as the winner of the popular TV series, Britain's Got Talent. Having known Axel through his work on the comedy circuit for over 10 years, I'm immensely proud of him for this latest achievement. And it was so nice to finally be able to sit down and have a chat with him about his parenthood journey so far. In our conversation, we spoke about his introduction to fatherhood and his thoughts and feelings around that time that he remembers so clearly. How he tried to balance an early career in comedy whilst co-parenting his young son. How he coped with the recent lockdown and how that affected his parenting style and the lessons that he's learnt, as well as his goals for the future off the back of what is now a historic Britain's Got Talent win. So here it is, episode 11, of the Diary of a Dad podcast with my friend Axel Blake. So how are you, sir? I'm not too bad, Ben. I'm not too bad. Good, good. It's uh, really good to have this this conversation. I'm very excited for it. I have been for a while now. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's been it's been an emotional few weeks to be honest with you. Yeah, and let's. I mean, we we got to just get that out of the way because first of all, I'm so grateful that we've been managed to get a little slot in your now very very busy diary. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's you, so it's you know it's all right. You could move a few things here. ITV, Ben's calling, so be on pause. <laughs> I love that. So let's let's just clear it up for anyone that is listening to this episode that isn't familiar with you. You are hot off the back of a win on what I believe is season 15 of the 2022 of Britain's Got Talent. That's correct. That is correct. And how are you feeling off the back of it? My feet have just landed, to be honest with you. Just, just landed. Um every now and then, even today, sometimes I think, did I really just win Britain's Got Talent? Honestly, every now and then I'm like, did did that really just happen? Because I'm still going around the place. I took train yesterday. Who told me to take the train yesterday? I don't know (laughs) why. And I didn't have a face mask. So it was just like, are you, oh my gosh. And I was, yeah, anyway, that's another story. But it's, 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 it's been an interesting few weeks. Yeah, to say the least. I can imagine. Um, you know, we'll we'll get into it in the conversation because whilst we're here to talk about about fatherhood and your journey so far, I think there's a lot that's kind of going to link back to you know what shaped you as the person that you are today. You know how you've ended up, I guess, in 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 that situation. 
Um, but yeah, you know, firstly, congratulations on, on the win. And I know that you've got a ton of people that are rooting for you now and, you know, can't wait to see see what's next. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the pipeline is chock-a-block, man. Yeah, <laughs> Amazing. So let's get into this conversation about your fatherhood journey so far. But before we get there, something that I do with every single guest is I like them to cast their minds back as far as far as they possibly can remember. We're talking your childhood now. So we're going right the way back just to set the scene and to have a chat about what life was like for a young Axel Blake growing up. Oh, I'm going to get deep. Okay. Um, so me growing up, it was totally fine to be fair there was no no trauma or anything like that um I had mum dad both married and my brother brother is three years younger than me um was yeah we all yeah it was totally fine I went to a boys school my mum and dad didn't want me to go to a mixed school I was like no going to a boys school I'm not sure if that helped or anything but um there was just a lot of fights in school, to be honest with you. And uh, most boys' school has a sister school. And we just got excited and just always went to the sister school, the sister school. So I, I don't really know the purpose of that. But I remember it was like, no, you got to focus on school. Then after school, you could go through um, and do a uh, sixth form and whatnot. I wasn't too good in school. Okay. Um, I was a class clown, which kind of paid off, <laughs> thankfully. But at the time, it was that I was getting sent. I was always getting sent to the front of the class. I got easily distracted, mm-hmm. easily distracted. Um, I'm also dyslexic, so I just couldn't focus in school properly. I couldn't get my head around some of the things. I'm a very hands-on person. I'm never behind a desk type. That's never been me. Mm-hmm. I'm always just... Has, that's why I've always been a mechanic. And then I was a bus driver. And then I was a junior chef and all that kind of stuff. Hands and been good at that stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, school was school was interesting. I was yeah, I was a very much a people person. I noticed that from a young age, um, and very much making. I remember just gathering kids around and making everyone laugh. And I remember doing the your mama cusses back and forth. <laughs> I was good at that. The yo mama, oh, but yo mama. And I had to add my own little flair to it. And that's when I realised, oh, you're all right at this. So yeah, it was just, it was just me finding myself uh, and then meeting me real good friends. There's one good friend. Actually, there's two people I still talk to from my, from my primary school and secondary school, um, which was quite amazing. I went to private school as well. So, um, well, actually, I don't really tell much people, but it was private primary school. And then I think my parents were like, yeah, this is not doing anything. You're not really picking up anything. It's then due to, you know, secondary school. That's not private. Um, boy school. Um, but yeah, it's been good. I, even at home, I was quite naughty though. I would say when I remember my parents setting times for me to get home. And I just couldn't help but break them. And it just, it didn't, it didn't serve me any, it didn't help me at all because it just means that I couldn't go out the next day or the next week. So I don't know why I would do that. But what I noticed is P1, 
peer pressure. So my friends at the time was always like, oh, man, come, you don't need to go back there. Come on, man, it's only one more. Are we going to meet them lot? And I'll be like, all right, <laughs> before I know it. Now I'm in more trouble than I ended up being. So I had to learn that, but yeah, I never did. Um, I was hard-headed, very much hard-headed, always in trouble. My brother now was very much into computers and like my dad. My dad was very much into computers. He actually helped um, start uh, SatNav and build the software to create SatNavs and whatnot. And um, I would, that, that my brother's like that, very tech orientated but me it was just I don't know just rugby athletics just picking up stuff moving stuff building stuff breaking stuff I hope that's a good insight so far to the childhood of Axel yeah I mean it's you've definitely set the scene there and I think you know you mentioned early on there kind of the, the class clown side of things and you know just wanting to use that outlet you know, to just to make people laugh. And I guess, you know, we'll, we'll come on to that, but clearly that's, that's something that's, that's continued on through life. I guess growing up then when you were sort of in that, you've got a, a relatively small family, just you and you and your brother. At what point was it that in your head, you started to make those connections in terms of this is my family and maybe one day I'll start my own family. Where did that whole side of things come in? Well, me and my brother was, was, was very close. I remember being very protective over my brother. I remember one time someone was trying to bully him or get into a fight and I was not having it at all. And I never felt so protective and so angry in my life, apart from when someone was trying to take the mickey out of my brother and, um, but I suppose that was one sign of this is my family. Mm. Um, another person I'm very close with who was close to this day is my cousin. My cousin's like my brother to me, um, Matthew Bridgman. He's helped me. He manages me to this day. Um, but yeah, I, was, I suppose I was very much, yeah, family orientated without realising, whoa, until something comes up and it's like, whoa, Family, we stick together. This is us. You know, I didn't really notice that until certain situations will flare up, like the guy trying to bully my brother. Um, wanting to start my own family, I don't, I don't, I never, it never dawned on me. It was never a thing. You know how most women are like, oh, when I'm older, when I'm 22, I'm going to get married and I did. That, I didn't see that at all. Mm. And it's funny because I came from a household where my mom and dad were both married. Well, you know, um, and I just, I just didn't, it just wasn't something that I, I think it was, I was all about becoming a musician and, you know, meeting this girl and meeting that girl at such a young age. So it wasn't really about marriage, settling down, have kids. Mm. So I need to later on in life, I kind of said, yeah, this is me. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because you mentioned there, you know, sometimes like women have got their, you know, the, the whole life almost mapped out. It's really interesting from guests that we've had on. So other dads, we've had the real range. We've had dads that, you know, from as young as 13 were like, you know, they, they've, they've seen either what a good or a bad family situation is like. And they're like, I'm going to have kids one day. And then there's others that, you know, they've got well into their 20s before 
you know, family's even been a consideration because again, a lot like you have said, they just, they were just living life, you know, just, yeah. just doing what, what teenagers, young boys yeah. were doing, young men. And then, you know, it, it kind of just, it happened one day. So for you, it does happen early, but you know, not majorly early in life because your eldest son, Nyron, he's 13 now, right? Correct. So how old were you when? So I was 20, I was 21. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so I was 21. Um, and what had happened was a few, a year before that I was in prison. Oh. Yeah, I was in prison around the wrong people fighting and just, just around the wrong people. And uh, my partner at the time stayed with me for the whole time. And it came out and it was like, when you're inside, you you kind of feel like everyone's against you. You don't know what's going on out on the outside. You have to wait for your letters to come in. And if you get a phone call, then you get to, that's the only kind of time. Um, so you're kind of, your own mind kind of eats away and mm. think the worst. And especially when you've got other inmates like, boy, did you not hear what happened to, because everyone calls each other by their surname. You didn't know what happened to Benson and, oh, this one, and did you hear what happened to his girl? All of that kind of stuff. So you kind of, so anyways, when I came out and it seemed like you've been here for me this whole time, this is amazing. It just made me feel more closer. And then we went and she went pregnant and was like, let's, this is it, let's go. Okay. So you guys fall pregnant. And do you remember how you felt when you first found out that you were going to have a baby. Excited. I was like, this is it. This is it. This is me. Let's go. I was like, I hope I have a boy. And I had a boy. And I was like, see, God's listening. It's, it's interesting again, because some people, I think there's a real range of emotions that people find out in, in that moment. Do you remember where you were when you found out exactly? Oh. No. I would have been at home at the time. I don't know where exactly. And was it one of those no. things that came as a surprise to you? Yeah, or? it was a surprise. Oh, it was a surprise. Was a surprise. <laughs> <I was> like, <sighs> thing with pregnancy is it's like, you just, you're just on edge. for so, It's so, so stressful because you're just on edge the whole the first three months you're on edge. And then after that, anything else, you're on edge. And then mm. the baby comes, you can't sleep, you're on edge. And everything is... <laughs> There's, there's all these different stages and no one kind of explains that there's just, I think once a child comes into your life, literally from the moment of conception, I just think that there's just, everything changes. Yeah. Uh, and it's so difficult to explain unless you've kind of been through the process. 100%. Because <laughs> my, my brother just had um, uh, my nephew, um, so I think six weeks now. And I was trying to explain as much as I could, as much as I could through the, through the months. And um, he even said to me, I still can't take in everything you said. It's like nothing, you, you try to explain, but you can't prepare yourself. Yeah. I think, I think with parenthood, it's just one of those things that you have to go through the process and everybody's experience is obviously so, so different. So Nyron comes into the world, he's born. How did you feel in that moment, you know, the first time that you, you saw him? Um, 
Yeah, tears. Well, my, my son's birth wasn't um, as smooth as could be. Mm. So what happened is the cord was wrapped around his neck and he had lost oxygen for about five, just under five minutes, something like that, something crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, he had got stuck. So he's, his shoulder was uh, up against her pelvic. I can't remember. So they had to yank him, yank him out. But in doing that, it, he had dislocated his shoulder. Mm. So to this day, he's... His shoulder is uh, not as strong as the other shoulder. And they call it herbs palsy. Um, but that was a scary, yeah, that was a, it was, yeah, that was a scary, and that was the first experience, only experience I have had had of prep birth. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a lot. That was a lot. But I kind of saw the, the good side like his mum was very much all over the place. And even if I was to probably mention it to this day, she'll probably burst out. But like she like it's I kind of see the good side. Like his hair is amazing and he's a good kid. Mm. He's not reckless like how I was at 13. <laughs> he is absolutely amazing. But I think that's to do with because I kind of one Brit's got talent, so anything I ask him to do, he listens. That's <laughs> <movie is> that. <laughs> He definitely, uh, yeah, he, he's in the spotlight. We saw a bit of him on TV over over the last few months. Um, and yeah, no, he's, he's definitely a good kid. I think what you said there about those, you know, those birth stories, again, you, you see those fairy tale things, don't you, in, in the movies or in, in mm -hmm. films where everything just is plain sailing and the baby comes out and it's that really ecstatic moment. But I mean, we just experienced that with, with our youngest, with Zaya and, you know, him coming out and not hearing those initial cries that mm -hmm. I'd heard with the others. Mm -hmm. And then they start looking at the clock and then they start oh, counting yeah. and then they start getting our resuscitation equipment. Yeah. And it, it's just, there's a lot that goes on, I think, in those moments that, again, you don't want to scare a new parent, a parent to be by saying, oh, be careful because this might happen because no one wants mm -hmm. to hear that. But they are yeah. the realities. You know, I think what you said there about, you know, the cord being stuck around the neck and, you know, problems with being stuck in the birth canal. They are so, so common in pregnancies, but maybe the stuff that we, we don't always hear. Yeah. And I think, I think it's so common to hear the good stuff hmm. and um, wonderful stuff, especially movies. Movies really kind of support that. They really emphasize that. But yeah, I think more people should. And maybe I'm being naive and maybe a lot of people do speak about it, but I haven't really seen it. But I think it should be more known and people can be more prepared so they don't feel alienated yeah. amongst others. I think there's a lot more conversation that's going on around parenting and the journey. I mean, social media has definitely done that. Um you know, being part of a parenting community on Instagram, for example, it's really opened my eyes to the the conversations and the types of things that are being discussed and, and spoken about. And everyone wants just the real life stuff now, you know, the what's actually happening. And it's nice that, that those things do get shared. But as you say, sometimes you have to kind of, sometimes you have to go looking for, for that and it, it doesn't always come by. One thing that I'm always really interested in when I talk to my guests is, understanding as you were preparing to become a father and then even shortly after Nyron was born, what was your personal sort of support system? Like, like who were the people or 
individuals that you were going to and talking to about becoming a father and then when you were a, a new father? It was my mother. So uh, my son was born in 2009. Unfortunately, my dad passed in 2008. Yeah. So he didn't get to know that Naren was coming into the world. Um, but it, he 100% would have been my, you know, go-to and, you know, what? how was this like? What was I like? So I, I got that all from my mum, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But um, it was anyone, because remember, I was 21. I was 20 at the time, but when he was born, 21. But he, um, yeah, just, I suppose, my grandparents, my granddads, um, my mum, no one else really had kids in my circle at that time. That's so, that's always the interesting one because I think if there are people in your circle, you you're bouncing ideas off each other. You're talking to your exactly. guy mates and going, "What's life like at home for you?" And they're giving you this bit yeah. of inf- information, and then there's others that just you know you're the first one. <laughs> yes, that was me. That was me. Um, but definitely my mom. But I always say, "Mom, are you sure you remember that?" Because I'm, I was always saying, Mom, this was 21 years ago. Are you sure? <laughs> no, no, I remember. I remember. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm not sure what was true and what was, because she made it sound like I was perfect and my brother was amazing. But I have no idea. I think after I think after a little while when it comes to your parenthood journey, I mean, there's stuff that I can't remember of my eldest and I'm sure if I talk about it now, I'm talking about it as the most amazing time, but living through it exactly probably wasn't always like that. Exactly. So, um, well, that's good that you had that close relationship, I guess, with your mum to be able to, to have that conversation because I think, again, that's so important that when people are becoming parents that they have got someone that they can, you know, just just openly speak to and and go to for advice. I agree with that. So what was it like in those early months and and early years growing up with with Nyren and and just kind of experiencing fatherhood, I guess, through all of those early milestones? Um, Well, after getting over the trauma of, oh my gosh, I almost lost my son. And then um, looking at the bright side of things, it was uh, it was a big learning curve. It showed me how many flaws I had, one as a parent and two as a human being, because you've got this person that depends on you to live, literally live, to clean them, wash them, feed them, teach everything. And then watching you as a person, that's the first point of contact. And and it just shows you. I remember <laughs> this is this is bad. Not it's not too bad, but like I remember I used to, if I had rubbish, I just throw it, which is bad, <laughs> you know. And I never forget the first time I saw my son do that. I was horrified, and I realized he's doing that because of me. But this has been some habit I don't know where from, and it just it it really opened my eyes, and I had to kind of unlearn things. For the sake of my son, which um, I I just didn't, no one told me about that. And it's something I had to pick up and realise and learn. And and then you've got things that you want, you want to make sure that your child knows. And, um, but no one can tell you the things that you want to teach your child because it's all um, unique to the individual. So yeah, it was a big, it was a big learning curve, but it just showed me that 
yeah, I need, I need this some real growing up, real growing up to do. Yeah, I think it sounds so obvious when you say about, oh, you know, your child is going to just depend on you. And, and but the reality of that actually happening again, it's just one of those things that just can't get, can't be explained until you're yeah, living, until you're living in it. Because it's so obvious, yet yeah, that's how your child learns from what they see around them and what mm-hmm. they hear and, you know, just the learning that they do. I often say with my kids, especially like the, the younger ones, just being like, I wish I could just see what's going through their brain at the moment. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My youngest, he was sat in a chair. He's, he's only five months and he was sat in the chair when I was in the kitchen, like washing up the other day. And he's just staring at me intently. And I'm thinking... What is going through what, his, yeah. through his head in, in this moment? Because clearly he's got some thoughts, but that's not processed into anything because he can't say anything. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, it's I'm, I'm just, as you can probably tell, I'm very fascinated by every aspect yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. of this. But that's good. I mean, you know, learning very early on that, you know, you had that maturing to do, that growing up to do. I think that's, again, a, a testament to a strong character because you know, some people kind of ignore that, you know, they know it, but then they just kind of put it to one side and I'm just going to live my life. Whereas, you know, you, you said you had to make certain changes and, and, and that definitely, definitely helped. So you're currently, you're not with Nyron's mum now. No. What stage did that side of the relationship break down? A year in. So just before Nyron's first birthday, it, we just said, nah, it's because it just didn't work. Because what I realized as well is, um, and I was trying to tell my brother this now with more knowledge and with 13 years of uh preparation, um, that you're when you have a child and you and your partner are both pregnant, that old version I like to say, you, you now upgrade to. Ben 2.0. Mm-hmm. Sophie 2.0. You upgrade to someone else. And so my partner, Louise, um, we upgrade and myself. It's no longer the version of uh who you was before. You've now upgraded. You're now a parent. And I feel like the frequency uh didn't really work. It just didn't. I I wasn't what I tell you happened, she matured so much quicker than I did. So remember, I'm 21 at the time she was 22. Um, and motherhood kicked in, bow, like that. The instincts just, and I was still, it took a while for me to catch up. Mm. So now we're, we're not working um, in tune anymore. Cause she's like, what, you're all the way back there? Come on, like, we, you ain't got, come on. And I'm, I'm still trying to find myself as a parent. And, and um, it just, it just, it didn't work. It was a completely different relationship. Now, on hindsight, looking, I should have. I didn't know that that happens. That because you change, mm. you change from. I was like, why are you changing? You're the, this is not the person I knew. Who's this? But it's because your mom now. You you've got different rules, different morals, different things that you need to care about. It's no longer about yourself. It's more about you know this child that you've got. So. I just didn't like how the relationship had completely changed as a 21-year-old. Mm. And what was worse, I suppose, is chatting to my friends that I didn't have any kids. 
Yeah, because <laughs> this is who I could go back to and talk to. But it was just very stupid because they had no kids and these 21-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds at max talking about, no, man, shouldn't be like that. She shouldn't do that. No, man, you deserve all that rubbish. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's so perfect. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, man. Yeah. And it's just... So it was just it was just a bad time and just it just didn't work out and it just showed me you you have to be mature to have a child you can't just be any in you have to mentally be prepared um so but we are very we cool yeah. there's no drama there's no nothing like that which I know a lot of people go through but yeah uh, it's 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 definitely something that happens and I think sometimes there's a, a level of I mean, it sounded as you were saying there, there was an, a level of immaturity that you were kind yes. of going through. But then yes. there's also a level of maturity where you've realized that something isn't working. Mm-hmm. And so rather than just, you know, digging your heels in and, you know, just going against the grain, you've actually kind of between you made that decision that actually, you know, this relationship isn't isn't working. Yes. How did that change the dynamic, or did it change? Obviously, it changed the dynamics of the relationship. But then, when it came to to you and Nyron, were you at that stage? Did you just always have in your mind, right? Even though we're not together, I'm I'm fully committed. I'm in this. You know, this is my son. I'm I'm going to be there and do everything that I need to for him. Yes, I did think that, and that's what happened. However, um, the dynamic changed a lot because it was. Um, I don't know, this, that wasn't a plan that she had. Mm. She was like, well, I had a child to be with someone so we can have a child together and go through everything together. So when I had my son, I think at times every other weekend, it was a different dynamic because I think when you're there at home, you know, you've got things to do. Life kind of um, passes by at the same time. You may, you may have work or you may have something to do and it's like, I can't do that right now. I've, I've got to do this. But then when you have your child every other weekend, every, it's like a, it's like almost like a birthday. Mm-hmm. So whatever that child wants, well, that's how I was anyways. They had, they got, because it's like, boy, I've got you for the weekend. So it was a heightened version. It almost spoiled. Yeah. But if we was living together, there wouldn't have been the case because it would have been like, no, you can't eat that. No, mm. what, you can't watch that. What? But because I'm only going for the weekend, so that was like that for years. So it was two different parenting styles. And remember, I'm still trying to find my feet as a parent. Yeah. So it's it's very different co-parenting and then um, being a, in a in a you know a one household. Yeah. Um, and you've both got the same parenting rules i've got my own at home and she's got hers and then it got sometimes it gets to the point where don't tell me how to raise my child when my child's here i do it my way but sometimes it shouldn't be like that growing up you realize no you can still take advice because the child's still going back to another parenting style and you need to adapt that because it's just going to be confusing for the child but i suppose when you're angry it's like don't tell me what to do <laughs> whereas i suppose look in hindsight it's quite selfish so um yeah it did change a lot but yeah you figured it out i think we've yeah. i mean and we've had various guests on the you know in co-parenting situations and there definitely seems to be that that theme that you know initially because this wasn't part of the plan when things do fall a, a, away or, you know, relationships fizzle out, there, there has to be that period of kind of building it up and getting back to, to where you wanted it to be. 
this is probably slight, uh, probably a slightly personal question. So, you know, feel, feel free to, to, to not answer it, but I'd love it if you did. Um, when you were in a situation where you were having your son every other weekend, where you were at in that stage of your life, were you happy just to have him for, for those weekends? Did that suit your lifestyle as it was at the time? It did actually, because um, I realized that 20, let's say I would have been what, 22 back then, um, I was still quite selfish. Right. I feel like when you're a parent and a good parent, you're very selfless mm-hmm. and it's all about, you know, your, your your partner and your kids. So I was still quite selfish and I only had a year of trying to figure out the parenting on the one household. So I don't feel like it's long enough to kind of, well, for me to stabilise and, and cement the... Um, parenting skills so when it was every other weekend I adapted and got used to that very quickly and at that time in my life I was starting out I was about two years into my comedy career Mm. so weekends was quite difficult for me because I'm trying to pursue this comedian and you know go here and get my name out there but then it's like oh it's the it's my weekend with Naren um and I had to ask my mom a lot mom can you help me She's like, why are you chasing this comedy stuff? What is that? But that's so it was, it was, I had a passion of let me chase this comedy career. But at the same time, it's like, it's still my weekend and I'm not going to be long. It's only going to be a few hours. But I I adapted very quickly to having my son every other weekend. Mm. And the reason I ask is because it just seems to be a, I'm not going to say it's a given for everybody, but that's the, the, the basis of, you know, that, co-parenting thing often seems to be that you know the weekends are deemed to be that point it's usually only when people sort of get firmly into the swing of things that you know maybe an extra day in the week gets introduced or you know it's a couple of days or you know just just more and more but again from a lot of parents that I speak to that are co-parenting that especially from the dad side of things the the responsibility seems to be right. Well, you're going to go there this weekend, or you know, every other weekend. So I'm just always intrigued to know how a how a dad was actually feeling about that. You know, like were you yearning for more, and you know, you were kind of just given the weekends. But it sounds as though, you know, where you were at that point in life, that's that suited things. No, it did it did, it did suit things, and um, I was willing to have my son in the weekdays. But at that time, I was working; she was working as well, and. Um, it was just it was just a bit difficult. So it was every other weekend. Okay. And you then I guess you you know, you, that that relationship is is how you've got it. You know, you're you're now in that situation, you're developing a good relationship with your son. Part of the reason that I wanted to start this podcast was because in keeping with this whole diary theme, I'm just always massively intrigued with how dads manage their diary, their schedule, their commitments alongside being a father. Mm-hmm. And you touched on it very briefly there. You were saying that it was at that stage that your comedy career was starting and you were having to really, do, I guess, do a, a lot of balancing because yeah. was that taking priority at the moment? But you've also mentioned that you were working as well. So was there a lot, it sounds like there was a lot going on at that time and a lot to juggle. Yes. So what happened? I was working in the weekdays. And then weekends I was off. 
But in the weekends, that's when comedy's on. Because mm-hmm. that's when the, the people that are off there, so they go to the comedy. And it's in the evening. So um, I used to sometimes ask Naren's mum, oh, can, can you have him? But I didn't think it was fair because it's like, well, this is every other weekend. Like, have your time. I've got my stuff to do, which is fair enough. So I started asking my my mum. At the time, my mum was very much, I'm out. I'm out, mate. So, um, yeah, it was my brother and my cousin. Um, you know, the close-knit family I was talking about? Yeah, mm-hmm. so it was my brother and my cousin and my mum. They were my, my go-to uh, babysitters. And then I'd go off, hopefully, because if everyone said no... I'd have to cancel the show. But at that time, I wasn't cancelled. I'd say yes to the booking first and then ask um, to see if I could get a second. And, uh, yeah, it was... it was, And I wasn't good at keeping a diary. I had double book here and this minute and last minute. And it was just like, oh, i got to get tonight. I'm like, you got to get tonight. What do you mean? I'm going to Auntie Blah 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 tonight. How could... And it was just... It, yeah, it's very... I, I wasn't um, organised in the to say the least mm-hmm. um but i figured it out and just kept going but it, i was shuffling 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 weekdays working weekends trying to do comedy when it didn't fall on my weekend and i was fine but when it fell on my weekend when i had my son it was like oh oh and i remember actually there was a time when my son after a while he'd be like why why are you always going out on the weekend not every weekend mm. but there was a time where he was just he didn't like it and i'm like what well, i'm I'm getting, I'm trying to chase something. I'm getting good money here. Yeah. You know, this is how we can go out on the weekend and we, you, you want to go, I don't know, crazy golf or watch free films sometimes on one day in the cinema. This is because of this. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't, he didn't understand money. He's just like, why are you not spending time with me? Why are you going away? And sometimes I had gigs on the, so I'd pick him up on a Thursday and then bring him back on a Sunday. So sometimes I had gigs on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so it was only Thursday night. I was really there and maybe sit and watch a movie or something at home. And, um, yeah, he just asked me, no, why Why are you always doing that? And he just felt offended. And that that hurt me. That bothered me because I was trying to chase something. And I was trying to say, this is my work. Yeah. I know you look, it seems like, oh, I'm having fun. When I show you the video, everyone's there having fun. But that's them having fun. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing the fun to them. That's my job. That's my job role. You know, and uh, I, I remember a lot of people, family members included, couldn't understand that if I'm working. It doesn't seem like I'm working. It looks like I'm out on a night out. I'm yeah. not. I'm the one providing the entertainment. It's them that's on the night out. So that 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 never made sense to some of my family members, but I just kept pursuing it. And I think the fact that your son was able to pick that up again, just kind of shows that, you know, sometimes we don't give kids enough credit, but they are Mm -hmm. very switched on. They understand things, even from a young age, you know, they're they're able to pick up on things and, and ask questions. I mean, you know, that's, that was back then, you know, fortunately now, and from knowing you over the years, I know that, you know, you were always there for him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, he himself would admit that to, to, to this day, that you were always there and that there was always, despite you striving for, you know, this this career in comedy, there was a lot of love there. And, you 100%. know, you were you were definitely doing that. And it's really amazing now seeing, you know, obviously him, with him now being 13, that, you know, 
he's a grown man. <laughs> he looks like a, he looks like a grown man. Um, but you guys have got the, the best relationship. As I say, we saw snippets of that on TV over the last few months, but yeah. you must be really proud now to see, as I think you alluded to earlier, that the man that he's, he's kind of growing up and growing into. Yeah, hundred percent. I like that. He's inspired so much. He's got his head strong. He knows where he's going. And, um, I'm quite conscious of it, of peer pressure, because that was a problem for me as a team. So I've, I've, I've spoken about peer pressure and don't let that enter your mind and know what you want to do. Even with his kids saying, hey, let's start smoking, all of that rubbish. Nah, mm. it's not happening. Be headstrong and know what you're about and what you want and what you're trying to achieve. Um so yeah, he, and he, he's he's very inspired. If I anything I tell him to do now, oh, he does it. Yeah. Anything. So, yeah. And how does I mean? I've got a few years to go before my kids are, are teenagers, and I, I always, not even jokingly, like I genuinely mean it when I say that I dread to think what the world will be like in six years' time when Arlo's thirteen, because in my head I just look at teenagers at the moment and I just think life must be this crazy emotions um you know you're going through all of these hormonal changes anyway and then you've got like the pressures of social media and mm. you know the just the access to information that we have now that we probably didn't have when we were teenagers how do you how do you have those conversations with with, with your teenage son like is it easy to to have it no <laughs> no not in the slightest not in the slightest so sometimes, depending on the conversation, his mum might have some of the conversations. And sometimes, depending on the conversation, I might have some of the conversations. But we do have a very close relationship, me and my son. So I can I can speak to him about certain things. I've spoke to him about all the sex stuff and <laughs> all of that. And that was hard for me, Ben. Ben, it was hard. <laughs> it was so hard. Oh, my goodness. And just... You know, because I'm not silly. Everyone, and there's going to be a time in school where everyone, oh, look at this. Oh, look what I saw. On, and it's so accessible online. This is yeah. it. And it's so scary. It's so scary because you want, you just don't want that to just influence their decisions. And it's, just, it's, it's a horrible, it's a horrible thing. And I don't know what the world's going to look like, you know, when he's an adult or like when Arlo's a teenager. It's, it's, it is scary, but it's just preparing them but then hopefully your kid is listening to you. Cause sometimes when it comes from a parent, it's like, all right, dad, mm -hmm. you said this to me, but then some people learn from experience in it. And that's the, it is what sometimes the best lesson, but it's the worst lesson because we're trying to tell you, don't, don't do that. We don't want you to experience that because you know, it's like a game. I'm on level 10. I know what level you're in level two. I know what's coming. I'm just giving you the cheat codes. Listen to me. And they're like, no, I want to go down the same. And it's just, it's a hard, it's a hard um, conversation to have. But it depends on, I suppose, the child, whether they're, you know, you know more than I do and I'm going to take your word for it and I'm going to take your advice when this peer pressure is amongst me, when my dad and mum is not there. That's the bit. When yeah. my dad's and mum's not there, hopefully what my dad and mum said to me kicks in and be like, no. Obviously, when you're there, it's different. But when they're not there and it kicks in, that's what you're hoping for. And I suppose you don't know what happens behind closed doors when you're not there. But we just hope it is. And and I guess I guess the reality as well is that I guess it's all about the lines of communication, isn't it? Because you know we all made mistakes as 
kids, teenagers, young adults or whatever. And so inevitably our children are going to do the same, but I guess it's almost mm-hmm. then how about how you respond to it when that happens? Mm-hmm. Because I think I, I was, I was talking on a panel not so long ago and that was kind of the conversation, you know, do you want your parent, your kids to come to you and talk to you about certain topics or would you prefer them to be going off and having a conversation with like a qualified teacher or, you know, someone that works in a school that can Ooh. talk to them on, on certain topics. And I mean, I was offended at the thought that, you know, my kids would go off and have that conversation with, with someone else um, because there's this whole thing around, you know, if it, if it gets said to someone who's qualified and who works in a school, then the conversation is, do they have to tell you as a parent? And, you know, there's a few interesting laws around that side of things. So I, I was quite offended thinking, well, no, the, the lines of communication are always going to be open, but I guess the reality is it, it may not always be that easy. Um, yeah, it could just be awkward. Yeah, you can you can try and plant those seeds from now and and hope that you know that that continues. Um, but yeah, again, just something that I've always been like, I'm I'm, I'm seeing ahead. I'm seeing yeah, of ahead. course, rightly so, as, rightly so, as, as as to what it might be. So you're doing well. You've got currently got a 13 year old son. You mm. also have a daughter. I do a daughter who. Depending on where you look online, <laughs> I think this is I think this is the comedic element. There's, there's some, some sites that have taken some of your comedy very literally, um, and I, there, there's a joke out there that you nicknamed her Pfizer because she was born during COVID times. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will clarify that that is not her birth certificate name. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Um, so your daughter now she's. 20 months i believe yes yes 20 months so you've given birth to a child during the madness of the last couple of years yes what was that like for you during the lockdown period well it was very interesting because uh me and my fiance we was just home just actually home all day um no one had to go to work so it was just in the midst of each other's presence so I feel like it. I was a good help because it was just nothing but pure dedication and time focused on anything you need, anything you want. You want to sleep? And there was no distractions. Whereas when my son um, was a newborn, I had to go to work. She had to go to work after nine months. So it was completely different. Um, but the the being a pandemic baby, it was... We couldn't go in the hospital. I couldn't go in the hospital. Mm. I couldn't go, because I'm talking in the midst of it. I couldn't enter the hospital. I couldn't go to any of the um, appointments. Even when she was born, I think I was only allowed in there for three hours and then jog on me. Kicked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then my daughter got, um, oh, what's it called? Jaundice. Jaundice. And so she was in the hospital for um, about a week or so. But see, I think my mom said I got that, but my mom and dad was there and we could just could just be there. So, you know, I'm on the phone to her on FaceTime or video call. And, and it's just it was just a kind of a disconnection, you know, because we've been around each other for so many months mm-hmm. through the lockdown. And then you're a week away, just down the road in the hospital. And it's like you can hear 
baby crying and it's just like, I want to, I want to help. I feel like there was just something really missing. I, I, I think it was the, for me, it was a, almost like a common sense approach that seemed to be missing at the height of all of this. And I know that there was a lot going on within hospitals and I don't envy the people that had to make those decisions, but I think from a maternal and paternal care perspective, there were just some very odd decisions because the reality is if you'd gone into the hospital at the point of birth and you just stayed in the room or, you know, stayed on that ward or whatever, mm. you were at no greater a risk <laughs> than, than yeah. anybody else. You yes. know, you've got nurses and doctors coming in and out of the hospital, going home, going on the tube, going to work yes. and all this. And they're the people that are around, but there just seemed to be something missing around. Well, hold on. The dad's, need to be here yeah you know 100%. they actually need to be in the room and only one person being in the room anyway don't get me started we we ex- <laughs> we experienced some of that with did you uh, okay with, uh, with otis because yeah. he's he, otis is only a couple of months older than your your daughter so okay there was a lot of similarities and um i just i just could not get my head around it but like you i felt that the lockdown period was was fairly relaxing i remember sophie as you say you didn't have to go anywhere she was you know I think the first sort of six months of the pregnancy or no, the final six months of the pregnancy, we were in the proper lockdown. And so it was, mm-hmm. it was relaxing, you know, mm-hmm. probably a time that we'll look back on and, you know, we look back on it with some fondness because, yeah. you know, it was very, very different to, to anything else. And then how's, how's your daughter kind of responded as a, as a child, because you've got some of those, you know, pandemic babies that, you know, they, they didn't really get much of the, you know, the social interaction and, and some parents are saying that they're starting to notice that. I know you show us snippets of, of her online and she, she seems like a, a character within, within, <laughs> her, within herself. She doesn't seem like she's lacking anything. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, I, I did find when we started to go to soft play, when they eventually opened back up, um, well, well, firstly, when, even when we went shopping, she saw everyone in face masks, everyone. So, um, when we went to soft play and it kind of started to relax, you know, and she's seeing people without the face mask, she was kind of taking it back. She, my daughter's one, she would just stand there and watch people. She would close up, she would just watch and just watch you and watch you and then walk off when she's ready. And, um, yeah, she was, she, she didn't, I know she couldn't really take to the other kids cause she didn't see any other kids. Mm-hmm. So when she saw the other kids, she was almost fascinated but then she kind of gravitated towards the adults more for some reason. Any parent um, with their kids, she just was kind of fascinated. She she paid a bit of attention to the child, but it, was, it wasn't about them. Um, she was very jumpy as well. Like if a kid was scream or make a noise or dad or whatever, she she kind of run back to us. Um, so I don't know if that was just her personality or she just like whoa, what's this? This is a new world. I'm used to being in the garden, and uh, you know, so I, I'm I'm not too sure, but I do I did find that she was uh, on edge. Yeah, and I think I mean I I always say that I don't think we've seen the full effects of you know the the pandemic on on some children, mostly older children, because I think there was a lot of changes and things that were missed out because of that. But you know, for our youngsters, as you say, even just that social side of things, you know, as resilient as they are you know, they're, they're creatures of habit, aren't they? So mm-hmm. when they, when they, they're doing something regularly to suddenly change and it'd be a bit different, 
that 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 does have some impact, I I think. But as I say, from from what we see of her now, she's she's full of character, full of beans, full. bags of energy. Yes. So how are you? And I guess now, now that the world's opening up and things are taking off, obviously you've now very recently gone through this this process where, you know, you've gone through Britain's Got Talent and now you've won it. Your diary's getting busy. Mm-hmm. How do you see yourself now managing your diary alongside being a dad? Because I'm guessing you're better than when you were 13 yes. years ago. <laughs> yes, uh, a lot of um, experience and understanding myself, knowing my flaws, get ridden, um, changing a lot of those flaws. Um, so I would say, well, my son, he's he's, you know, First of all, Naren, he's he's big now, so he's like, oh yeah, Dad, oh, oh, I might I might come because I live out of London now, mm. and um, he lives in West London. So, but oh, actually, I'm gonna stay out with my friends. I'm out with my cousins this weekend, or I'm I'm here this week. So, um, you know, I won't be coming down. Like, no problem. When you're ready, just let me know. Day, the week, whatever. So we've got that kind of uh, relation, and he understands. And sometimes he might come to the comedy show if he's. If it's family friendly, then I'm like, yeah, come, come down. And he likes it and he gets to meet, you know, some of the celebs and stuff. So that's okay. Um, with my daughter now, yeah, that was a big change. So it's very much, I'm very much dependent on Louise. And even through the the rehearsing, mental rehearsing on my behalf uh, for BGT, I was like, Louisa, right now, I just need these few months to just focus. And if all I could do is my best, but I want to look back and say, I've done my best. And then after that, you know, where it was, you know, I was a bit reluctant at first, but it was like, okay, that's cool. Do what you need to do. And thankfully I did. And that's why I won. But it was thanks to Louise for helping me not have to um, be here mentally so much. And um, sometimes I'd step my mum so I could just literally just dive in mentally and focus and write my jokes and how am I coming across and all of that. Um, and I suppose now we've got the hang of it. But now we're on the other side. I've got to do it again for the tour. Mm. So we literally, I just it was I just started writing yesterday actually. So it's it's um, understanding what it's going to look like on this side now. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think that's probably something that I hadn't really considered about the nature of your, you know, your job now is 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 very different to, you know, say someone who works in an office and they've got a nine to five and they, they go in and they do a, you know, specific task and then they can, you know, down the tools and, and come home and then be present as a as a parent. You you must constantly be thinking about material. Um, constantly. You know, and again, it's just really interesting to hear you say there that, you know, there was times that you just needed to to have that space yeah, mentally yeah. To, to do that. Um, I say especially for Britain's Got Talent because it was like, this is a moment that can change everything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to look back and be like, oh, I wasn't I wasn't there. Let me put everything into it. Now I'm more relaxed because yeah. I, I, there's, there's less pressure. I've never felt pressure like that right. that I did on Britain's Got Talent. I was uh, my my brain i just couldn't you know take all of that kind of pressure but i you know i got through it and i just needed just space go i used to go on long walks and just just let my mind just 
cool down, you know, and to settle. So, um, yes, it's very different, very, very different because I'm always thinking of jokes, always. Yeah, and I think, especially because there's so much of yours, I think is, I don't know if this is the right term for it, but I call it like situational comedy where you, you know, it's this real life situation. Yeah. Things that we're all going through things. I I think that's, you know, part of the success is because we can all listen and and just be like, I know someone exactly like that, or that's me, you know, that's going through that, that sort of thing. So as you say, your inspiration must just be coming at you from, from all angles, all Um, angles. And I have my notepad on my phone. I'll be like, wait one second. Really That's like, the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so how then do you, I mean, you've mentioned there, obviously, you know, times that you needed to just kind of mentally be away on your own, in your own headspace. How do you think that then impacts when you do get together, when it is, you know, sort of like dedicated family time? Are you, are you good at downing the tools and saying, right, this is the, the time that we're going to spend together as a family now? I'd like to think so. I'd w- love to hear what Louise has to say. Um, I'm assuming she'd say, no, you're still on your phone. But the thing about being on your phone is it doesn't mean you're on your phone on Instagram. You could be on your phone, emails, sorting out, trying to look at flowers to buy your partner. Or it could be anything. Just because you're looking at your phone doesn't mean... Nice know? nice disclaimer. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I'd say I would. I'd... Um, Put yeah, sometimes put down the phone and we say, Let's go for a walk. I love a little walk. Mm. We actually had one today, actually. Just a nice little walk, just, just stroll and just have a nice little talk, especially also when when um, she's asleep as well. Um, I know my missus is waiting for me to have a little nighttime conversation. I wondered, so that's, that's... I wondered, I wondered what you were going to say then. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry, no. Louis, sorry, Louise, I don't mean to keep him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, nighttime conversation and look through the day and what's the plans, what's the future looking like? Because, um, like I said, I, I suppose I keep saying because it's so brand new, but life's changed dramatically. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, well, we're just looking at what the rest of the year looks like, what the next month looks like. And if it's the weird thing in this side of life is things come so quickly. Yeah. Literally, I think an hour ago, someone um, emailed me asking me to come down to their... Um, the shop to, it's a quite a big brand, I'm not going to mention it, but to come and, um, what's it called? Just give me things. I don't know what the word is. The gift, gifting. Gifted, yeah. Lost, lost gifting. But it's like they could only do t- t- tomorrow morning or uh, Tuesday. And it's like, what? Well, but it happens regularly now. So it's literally, you, you almost have to have an open diary. Yeah. An open diary. So I don't know what this weekend is going to look like, but I guarantee you by Saturday, something is going to happen where it's like, it needs my attention. So it's almost interesting and, fast, you know, exciting. But at the same time, I need to make sure I'm here for the family as well. So. And that's so nice to hear that, you know, you can kind of just sit down and have those conversations. Because I think as as parents, you know, we do so much for our kids and, and so much of our time is, is, is taken up with, you know, looking after the children and, and things like that. That I think a lot of parents would say the things that tend to go missing is that communication with each other, you know, mm. those times where you can just sit down when the kids are asleep in bed and, you know, you can just have a conversation. It, it's, it's so important. So important. So important because I think that without it, I think that's where resentment builds up. That's where, you know, there's frustrations and 
we all know that, you know, to kind of keep a good relationship going, you know, the lines of communication have definitely got to be, definitely got to be open. And I learned that from just watching uh, YouTube people talking about, oh, great, how to a long lasting relationship or asking my grandparents. And a lot of them, it always came back to communication. Mm-hmm. So I am very big on communication. Yeah. And to the point when you know your partner, you know when something is, Something's up, you know, your energy is a bit different. So, you know, I know how to ask um, and open the line of communication. Like, what's what's wrong? Because the first time I ask, I'm not going to get anything. <laughs> I just know how to, you know, by the middle of the day, I'll get it out. And I think it's important. No, it, it's so important. And I think there's, yeah, and, and I suppose, you know, different personalities handle things differently. But I think when you get into that rhythm where, like you say, where you, you know someone, um, I mean, I don't know about you. I, I imagine as a comedian, you you must introduce comedy at home to kind of soften the blow sometimes. <laughs> you know what's funny? I want to touch on this. So most comedians, their partner don't find them funny. Louise does not understand how I won. She don't understand why people want to watch me. And honestly, she says, I don't think you're funny. And I've heard Michael McIntyre's um partner say that i've heard a lot of my comedian friends because they see enough from a different angle mm. even my mom the same thing with my mom she's like i don't know why people think you're funny because they're seeing me from that's you know that's her son so it, it's the same thing with with, with louise she's like you're not i don't know why people are hilarious and when some of her friends are like or her cousins are like what well, he's she's like okay he's not he's not he's not doing jokes all day you know because a lot of people think this guy must be making jokes day in, day out, but it's it's not really like that. Yeah. I, I think I've definitely had that misconception about, about comedians. I'm just like, that's the only way that you kind of just, just get through your day is by making yeah. everyone around you, around you laugh. Um, <laughs> but I guess there is the need to actually, as we've just said, they'll be actually pretty serious about, about things. And it's nice to hear that, you know, you guys have got that relationship where you are making the time out to do that because especially with the the recent change of circumstances, I can imagine that, you know, potentially being a, a real challenge. 100%. So looking ahead then, I know we don't have crystal balls and we can't see too far into, into the future, but give us a, I suppose, maybe just a bit of an insight. What's, what are you thinking or, or where, where are you looking to now for the future in, in terms of what you want for you and, and your family? For what I want for me and my family is um, just a good, stable financial bedding. You know, no worries. No matter what happens, we are good. Mm. You don't have to worry about anything. The foundation is set. That's my most important thing because the hype's not going to last forever. So mm. it's what I implement now um, to, 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 to lay that foundation. I think that's the main thing. And um, happiness. I don't want to sacrifice a good foundation and have to go there and yeah, accumulate lots of money, but relationships suffered. And that's not a, something I can uh, sacrifice, not a chance. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it has to be happiness and a good foundation, but I can't, I can't jeopardize one for the other. And as you feel at the moment, I mean, do you feel that there is an increasing amount of pressure to kind of do things? Or do you feel that you are very much in control, you know, in, in terms of which way you go? 
Yes, I, I do feel like I'm in control, to be honest. Because I feel like I've been chasing this for a while. So I've, I've picked up some skills on the way in preparation for this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I never knew it at the time. But now in hindsight, it's like, yeah, this I've acquired these skills um, for this moment. That's what it feels like. So I feel like I'm... I'm battle ready. I've got all the. I've got the Batman utility belt along with the breastplate. I'm ready. Yeah, and it's good to hear. And I, I think you know. Obviously, we weren't here to talk about necessarily your sort of career in comedy. I'm sure that there's going to be many a podcast where you'll uh, you'll divulge more about that around your experience and things like that. But just knowing you over the years and looking back at the history. I can definitely say, you know, you've you've been gearing up for this. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember our conversation that we had earlier this year where Mm -hmm. you you were mapping things out. Um, And I love when a a conversation like that goes exactly as it does this way. (laughs) (laughs) Because you had a game plan, you you wanted to do something and, you know, you saw it through and that, that, again, just to to be commended. Um, But I think, yeah, there must be... I think suddenly when you get thrown into the spotlight in the way, in the manner that you have, I guess I can see why for some people that just throws them off balance a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then especially when you, you add in, you know, imagine you're, you're single carefree and you don't really have many responsibilities. Yeah. That's very easy to happen. And then when you're a family man and you know, mm-hmm. you've got kids and you know, a, a fiance and other people that are looking up to you. I guess it again, whilst there's a bit more grounding, it must still be challenging as well. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But so far, so good. Um, as long as you stick to the, the 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 rules on the list, you know, I can't let that the the jazz and all the bright lights mm. um, jeopardize what I have at home. That is really important to me. So that foundation and that understanding, it allows me to then look at each situation and challenge that comes my way, and then look at it and be like, yeah, no, yeah. yes, no, so. And I guess that's the difference now, you know, compared to when you were that 21-year-old that you were talking about before that was just chasing it and would have gone for, for whatever, yeah. you know, now there's, there's, there's something very, very different. Well, I know I'm rooting for you. And as I said at the outset, I know that there's lots of other people that are also rooting for you. And we're really excited to sort of see, you know, which direction this this goes in. And I'm I'm very confident that you're going to, you know, life's going to get very interesting. But I'm I'm yes. confident that you're going to make some, some really good decisions that, as you said, yes. you know, are really going to benefit you and your family. 100%. I've loved this element of our conversation. I know we're going to follow this up at some point further down the line, maybe in a year or two, we'll be having another conversation. Less than that, mate. Less than that. <laughs> seeing, seeing what the developments are. But two things that I'd like to finish the, the conversation with, it's the same for all of my guests that come on the podcast. Two questions that I'm going to hit you with. So the first one is, if you were to look back on your time as a father, as a mm-hmm. series of diary entries... Is there a moment or any moments that stand out to you? Does, does it have to be lighthearted or what kind of? It can be whatever you want it to be. Um, there was a moment when my son, um, he, he choked on a um, a 5P. So he was playing with it. He was an on, the, on the windowsill and he, he, he swallowed it and he choked. And um, I tipped him up. I never tipped him up so quickly in my life. Patting, patting, patting away. And um, 
like then he was okay. And then I called the uh, ambulance. But I, it's, it's hard in those situations. I don't know if you've been where like someone's choking or something, but there's, they, they try to teach you there's ways of um, uh, acting in that mm. scenario. But it's so hard to do. So they say you have to pat their back at a certain rhythm. Um, rhythm. I, you can't do that. I was like, <laughs> making sure that, you know, um, it was okay. And then, um, yeah, the ambulance came. Well, I called the ambulance and the woman was on the phone to me and, and whatnot. And um, I I just remembered how long the ambulance took. Not I'm not trying to bash the, the you know, the ambulance system on the NHS, nothing like that. I just remember they took quite a while. Uh, well, not quite a while. I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And I asked the guy, if he was still choking in this time, what would he be okay? But the, the guy, I remember the guy's like, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be okay at all. But I just, luckily, he, it, I think it turned the the coin turned and he was able to breathe. But it was just the way he was like, well, no, it would be a whole different situation now. But I was just like, wow, lucky the coin turned and lucky he's okay. But I wonder if he said it like that because. You know, it's just every day to me. This is another, it's just another call, mm. you know. But it was just that was my son. And I was, I felt like, would you, to say it so nonchalant, just, yeah, it would have been a very different situation. There's nothing we would have been able to do then in 15 minutes. So, but and that always stood out to me. One, how the guy spoke. And two, how um, it could have been a very different uh, scenario that day. And I never forget it. Yeah, I think, and obviously we're, Glad he, he was okay with it. But that's the, I think that is the reality that the the paramedics and, you know, the medical profession, they just see this stuff all the time. All the time. Um, and I, I've always, I've said, I, I take my hat off to anybody that does that job um, yeah. because I don't know how they deal with and, and see the things that they see, on a, they see. On, a, on a daily basis. But yeah, you're right. You know, when the first time you experience something like that as a parent, it's a, it's a pretty scary thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Okay, and the second question for you um, might be a little bit challenging for you to answer because I don't think it's necessarily going to be just one date. But the question is, are there any, is there a date or are there any dates in the diary that you're looking forward to this year? November the 10th, 2020. It's Thursday, November the, tw- the 10th. Reason being is because that is... Um, I'm putting on the tour right now, but that date is Hammersmith Apollo. Right. Now, I'm from West London. I've grown up walking past Hammersmith Apollo from a young child to a teen. Got years and years of going past this event, this building, this monumental building, iconic building, thinking, wow, look how much people are outside. Look at the, the name across, mm-hmm. not knowing who those names was and... You know, and now to know that on that day, my own name, however many years later, my own name is going to be on that building. I, I, I can't stop thinking about it, Ben. I cannot mm-hmm. stop thinking about it. And the fact that, because that building holds 3,600 seated, holds more obviously standing you, you know, but, um, and the fact that I've sold over 2,000 tickets. Mm-hmm. In how many days? I can't believe it. To, to, to this day, it's like, what? Yeah. What? That is crazy to me. And it's just, it gives me shivers. That 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 is, I know I should be talking about, you know, my, the comedy so much, but it's just that I would never, that day to me is 
everything. I, th- I think it's, I think it's so valid. I think, you know, that is a defining moment as I say, you know, won't divulge everything that we spoke about earlier in the year, but I remember you very specifically talking to me yeah. about that venue yeah, and, and just it. saying that that was for you yeah. somewhere that you, and you were, I think, I think from the conversation, you know, you weren't even necessarily talking about it being this early in, you know, at no. this stage you wanted to no. play it, but you didn't yeah. know when that was going to happen. Exactly. So, for that to be happening in just a few short months away, you know. It's crazy to it's, me. So that's the date for me. And I think that day as well, I mean, I look, we've, I've got my tickets for the show already. You know, I, <laughs> just putting that out there. I'm not that, I'm not Mr. Guest List. I'm Mr. Support your friends okay. and buy tickets. Um, so I've got my tickets. I think I'm in, I think I'm in row C. <laughs> okay. So don't, don't don't bother pick on me. Nah, damn. You're lucky, Ben. You're lucky. <laughs> but um, you know, I I I think I agree. I, it's something that I'm really looking forward to. And as I said, I, I've said it many times throughout this conversation. But you know, really rooting for you. Really happy for the success that you're having. I'm so happy to have this background conversation around you know your parenthood journey so far and what fatherhood means to you and. Um, yeah, wish you. I wish you all the very, very best, sir, for for the future. That I know he's going to be very, very bright. Thank you, Ben. It means a lot. And I can I just say, you've been a great inspiration and um and a good friend as well as an industry friend. So um, thank you for even having me. And I felt like it was important because it's it's about supporting one another. And I've I know I've had a lot of people trying to ask me, as you can imagine, oh, jump on my podcast, jump on this, but. There's only a, there's a few people that I, you know, put. At, it's a priority. Mm. One because of the relationship, and two, you're as long as I've known you, you're a great person. You're a good person. There's never been any qualms or nothing. You and so so one hundred percent. Like, um, so thank you for even thinking of me and having me on. No, well, thank you so much, and uh, I think you know anyone listening to this, I think there's going to be a. A lot of people very, very happy and enjoy some of the uh, the gems that you've dropped throughout this conversation. So thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Take care. Take care.